and welcome to the RG Physiotherapy Society podcast. I'm your host, John Sillis. On this week's episode, I'm really happy to be joined by Emer Cooney. For anyone who doesn't know who Emer is, she's a mental health occupational therapist, life coach, and mindfulness facilitator. She's also a specialist mental health mentor, working with university students all over the country, supporting them to manage their mental health and navigate their academic studies. Emer has over 12 years of experience working in the NHS and wellbeing sectors. She works with people who feel anxious, stressed, or overwhelmed, and provides them the tools and techniques to feel happy, confident, and in control. Her approach is down to earth and relaxed, with even a bit of humor mixed in. Emer wants to help people feel good about themselves and know that their feelings of stress, anxiety, and overwhelm aren't their fault. Her motto is, if you have a brain, some of this stuff is inevitably going to come up. The good news is, I have the tools and skills to help you manage it. With that, hello and welcome to the show, Emer. Hi, John. That, that, that was a beautiful introduction. It was lovely to hear that back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try my best. It's these uh, melodic tones, honestly. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. Yes, no it's problem, great Emer. to be it's here. It's lovely to have you on. Obviously, we know each other personally outside of uh, the medical field and, you know, we've had some great chats and I thought it'd be great to bring you on uh, just chat to you a little bit. Ah, oh, yeah, definitely. Thanks, John. No, it's great to be here and it's lovely to get this opportunity to to just talk about burnout and mental health and all those things. You know, it's it's great. Well, I know it's something you're you're passionate about, Emer, and I'm really looking forward to diving into this. Um, obviously, I've alluded to, you know, me and you have known each other for a number of years. Um, but for anyone who hasn't come across you, Emer, uh, can you just give us a little bit of a background of, you know, where you started out in your career and where you're currently at? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I went to RGU University and I did occupational therapy there. So I graduated in 2009 and yeah, then I went straight into mental health and um, I worked here in Aberdeen City. So initially I worked with older adults and then I worked in adult mental health and yeah, I mean, I loved my job there and it was absolutely great. I kind of worked in the city and then in the Shire and uh, mainly seeing people out in the community. And uh, in that time, I got to work with some really great therapists and, and clinicians and, and psychiatrists and got to learn a lot about mental health. But interestingly, you know, on our topic uh, today, you know, I could see very clearly around me some of my colleagues that were were burning out, you know, and um, one of the big things that was kind of muted, you know, in, in the field was kind of like waiting for the pension to come in, you know, kind mm. of just gritting teeth and, and waiting till that pension comes in before people were retiring. And I was kind of looking around me thinking, I don't know if this is the path that I want. You know, I don't know if this is how I want to be like in my 50s or 60s and thinking about retiring and having maybe some health issues of my own. So I started to, to think a little bit outside the box and, and, and think about a few options that might be available to me. So um, I actually took a career break and I went traveling for six months with two of my other occupational therapy friends. And um, that was a great opportunity to just kind of take a bit of a step back from my career and actually just look at the bigger picture, look at, you know, visit different places in the world, see how other people live. And uh, when I came back, I went back into occupational therapy and um, within a couple of years then 
actually it was just in I think it was 2020 that I decided to leave my job and set up my own business as Emer Cooney coaching and um yeah that's that's really my focus today you know like you said in the bio predominantly working with people on a one-to-one basis around stress anxiety overwhelm um so yeah that's a little bit about the path that got me to where I am today John well I mean it's a, it's a great path and I mean I'm looking forward to unpicking some of that as well with you Emer, as well and just that experience as you say just taking that break from your career traveling for six months seeing different cultures how they operate and how they you know live their lifestyles as well because I know what you say here in the UK compared to the rest of Europe in some regards we are very much like work heavy and our working week is very different to our our neighbors in Europe yeah yeah totally and you know the same in Ireland you know I think we tend to look maybe more to like the American model of work and now I know they work even more hours than us but like you say I don't know for me that doesn't seem to be where we should be looking to you know it's it's more like say some of our neighbors in Europe that that tend to have healthier working models you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I mean in terms of like the whole burnout, it's obviously getting a lot of coverage nowadays within the health services as well. And I think it's justifiable as well, just because the stress the system's under. And I think mm-hmm. it's the type of people as well who tend to go into healthcare fields. It's just like you have that natural ability to care and serve others, but you don't care and serve yourself. So things totally. end up in that, that, you know, that treadmill of just getting burned out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And actually, you know, that was part of my own journey as well, John, like when I did work in mental health, you know, I started to feel very quickly, actually, that I was sort of burning out myself. And, you know, I'd be happy to talk more about that. But it was interesting when I went through that experience myself, because I felt quite embarrassed by it, that like, you know, I could see maybe colleagues around me who'd been maybe doing it for 20, even 30 years. And actually, I was a relatively young uh, clinician and was starting to feel those feelings of burnout as well, you know. So it's interesting. It doesn't necessarily have to be that person that's in the job, you know, for a lifetime. It, mm-hmm. it can it can happen at any point in our career, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's important to, to notice and, uh, you know, to bring up as well. I think we'll, we'll pick into that in a minute, Emer. but obviously we hear so much now about, especially in the healthcare services of, of burnout and just people being overworked. But, you know, what would you say, how do you define burnout as such? Because it gets thrown around quite a lot. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling burnt out or we're going through a stage of burnout. But what is that exactly? Yeah, totally, John. Like, I would say burnout is really like a form of exhaustion um, as a result of constantly feeling like we're under pressure. Um, And it can be a result of like excessive and prolonged emotional, physical and mental stress, you know. Mm -hmm. And like you said, in in many cases, you know, burnout is related to, to people in their jobs. But I think it happens really when, you know, we're feeling that sense of overwhelm, we're emotionally drained, we're maybe feeling like we're not able to keep up with life's just constant demands, you know, 
And the really interesting thing that I think about burnout is that it's not medically diagnosed, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not one of those conditions, but it really can have such a detrimental impact on our physical and our mental health, you know. Um, and I suppose the big thing is that like burnout keeps us from being productive, you know, and it really reduces our energy. Um, and, you know, you might be aware of this, you know, when you when you meet somebody that's burnt out. But, you know, when when we're burnt out, we can be maybe like a little bit cynical or a bit resentful about the job or maybe feeling a bit hopeless about it, you know. Um, so it can have all of those kind of flavors to it, I suppose. But um, yeah, I think one of the, the big things about burnout and, you know, I know we will speak more about this as well, that it doesn't really go away on its own. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for many of us in the field of healthcare, like you say, we 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 tend to be very resilient people. And like, you know, we we generally can cope with quite a lot. And when we start to feel burnt out, you know, and again, maybe this is a cultural thing for us, but, you know, you see those stickers everywhere. It's like, keep calm and carry on. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I kind of hate that message because for me, it's kind of like, you know, just, you know, dig deep and keep pushing through. And actually, for me, I think the thing about burnout is like, we need to recognize, okay, right, I think I'm seeing some symptoms here, some patterns that are coming up. They're not going to go away on their own. And I can I pause? It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to stop working, but can I pause and have more of awareness of what's going on and kind of help myself with that mm -hmm. rather than this just, you know, digging deep and just like pushing through, you know? Yeah, and I think... I am seeing changes within that, but I think it's like, say, that cultural thing that, that the stiff British upper lip sort of thing of just like, right, okay, just head down, keep plowing forward, and it'll, it'll work out, I'm sure, sort of thing. But obviously, we're starting to see the back end of that as like probably not the best route to go. Yeah, totally, totally. That's it. Because the thing about, you know, what's really interesting about stress, anxiety, burnout, overwhelm, it catches up with you. You know, sometimes we think, not that we're so clever, but sometimes we think we can outsmart it or we mm -hmm. think it'll just go away on its own, like you said, but actually it'll catch us one way or another, you know, it, and, and it tends to do that if we don't mm -hmm. pay attention to it, you know. Exactly, exactly. And what you highlight there as well, like it'll catch up with us in the end. So what, what, some, what are the things we're looking at if we don't actually start addressing this, you know, and just keep our head down like that, you know, the head in the sand sort of analogy with it? Yeah, like for me, it's about, you know, what's interesting about burnout is that when we start to feel a bit burnt out, we can start to feel stressed and there can be that kind of mental health component of, yeah, just feeling, you know, just like lack of motivation, maybe lack of concentration, maybe, you know, we recognize ourselves saying like that kind of that kind of chat where it is a bit resentful about the job or a little bit hopeless or we're a bit down in the dumps but what can be interesting about the kind of mental health side of things is often we can ignore those and it's not until our physical health starts to mm. be impacted through burnout 
that sometimes we can kind of stop or wonder why that's happening. And so some of the things that like you maybe wouldn't equate with burnout is like things like pain. So like, you know, back pain is like one of the number one reasons why people go to see the GP. And often the GPs say more often than not, there's no physical cause for the back pain. You know, mm-hmm. it's stress. It's a buildup of stress. Um, another big thing is sleep. You know, again, people can maybe go about their day, keep their head down, do their work. But when it comes to dropping off and going to sleep at night, you know, they're maybe having difficulty going to sleep or waking up during the night or, you know, waking up very early. Um, other kind of physical conditions like headaches. That was my own experience. I just started to get really regular daily kind of chronic headaches. Um, so any kind of headaches, tension around the eyes, you know, the temples, any tension in the face, you know, we can we can kind of hold a lot of tension in the jaw and mm-hmm. um, and I, I suppose the neck as well, you know, just all that area where we're maybe experiencing tension. Um, and maybe one of the other ones, John, that I, I always like to, to kind of talk about is like symptoms like IBS and heartburn and, you know, difficulties digesting our food that often, again, when we get something like IBS or, you know, all of a sudden we're not able to tolerate maybe a food that we've been eating for a long time. And again, we go to the GP and they, you know, they they're very helpful, but they give us, you know, medication that treats the symptoms, but it's not treating the cause, you know, and I think. IBS is often a really good indicator that there's something kind of going on there, you know, especially if it's kind of come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting to hear just the scale of physical um, symptoms we can start to experience from that as well. Um, I like how you touched on sleep there. It's one area I typically do from my own coaching perspective. I'll chat to a lot of athletes and stuff around like, well, are you sleeping enough if they're not recovering? And yeah. obviously with cultural side of things now, through social media we typically do see that like oh well you know you need to be a warrior and all this sort of stuff you can't sleep you need to go to bed at two and get up at half past two or three o'clock at least so i think you can't be otherwise you're going to miss opportunities and all this sort of stuff and i think it's it's a it's a negative effect of there as well of people not doing enough to get their rest in or as you say they start experiencing fitful sleep or not being able to get that full night's sleep within that yeah, totally. Like I, that's one of the, the things I really resent hearing as well. You know, there was like a meme that went around for a long time about Obama only needs four hours sleep or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, you know, that has really been sort of promoted as like, like you say, you only need four hours of sleep. And imagine all that you could get done with those, you know, 20 other hours. And actually, it's so not true you know Mm -hmm. and if we're not like you say just meeting the basic requirement of getting enough sleep that's enough to just you know impact on our function you Mm -hmm. know big time definitely definitely yeah um that's a huge thing and i mean it's it's a tough scenario to be in because obviously we're saying about chronic stress situations and we can have that placed upon us externally through obviously in healthcare workload and like patient backlogs and trying to clear case loads as well. And then as you touched on just society's pressures. Okay. If you want to climb the, the, um, 
the promotion ladder and stuff like that. You know, you want to be seen to be doing more. And it's one of those things a lot of people, I think, now find it hard to switch off. Like, all right, okay, what else can I do? And that, that puts me in a better light or gives me that advantage over, say, the next candidate for either a job or a promotion process as well. I think that's something we need to start looking at and start addressing within it. Yeah, totally. And I think, John, as like new grads, you know, like when we do like first qualify, I think we feel like we've something to prove, mm. you know, and we see our experienced colleagues around us and, you know, you know, we maybe feel like we don't know everything because, of course, we don't. And we may be really, you know, keen to learn. But I think as new grads, we tend to take a lot on because, you know, a lot of training is offered to us and it's great and we want to increase our knowledge and our learning and all of that but actually we can take too much on because you know we maybe feel like there's we have a lot to prove and um it's interesting how that happens you know that you know maybe other colleagues that are maybe a little bit further on in their career sometimes aren't as keen to do that they they've they've done that they've worn the t-shirt you know it's like but it's it's definitely yeah I think part of the experience especially when we graduate first definitely definitely I think it's yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I think will take time to change over. And then I think it depends on what environment you're in as well with regards to just helping support people through that process and to see if we make any meaningful change there. One yeah. thing I want to touch on, Emer, is you mentioned some of the signs and symptoms, you know, people can experience there as well. I just want to try and tie this back into, you know, your own journey as well through that process. Yeah um you know at what points are those things those symptoms or those feelings start creeping in uh, you know at what point do you sit there and realize like hang on a second something isn't quite right here you know as opposed to the normal day-to-day of like oh you know that's fine i'll just deal with the later stress yeah totally i think it's well you know first of all like i always think how did that happen to me i was working in mental health i had all the education on stress and anxiety, you know, I was very good at helping other people, you know, patients with that. But when it came to myself, I was really bad at recognizing the signs and symptoms, you Mm -hmm. know. And I think in all honesty, it probably just, it was the accumulation, you know, that creeping up of just, you know, like even stuff maybe from university that maybe a lack of confidence, you know, a, a lack of self-esteem there. And then when I went into the working environment, really feeling like I did have something to prove mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe just taking on too much. And, but you know, it. I would say it was a very slow uh, creeper and any signs and symptoms that were there. I did ignore them because I just thought no one else around me seems to be like this, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was this feeling of like, why am I not coping, you know? And so, you know, I really did kind of bury my head in the sand and just think, oh, you know, I will be fine. And then for me, like I say, it started with kind of daily headaches. I just, um, there was clearly like so much tension in my body that like the, the the muscles around my neck and my head were just so tight that I I had this headache that really I couldn't escape 
And, um, you know, again, I thought this is something physical and went to the doctor and, you know, calling it migraines and everything. But there was no medical cause. You know, mm -hmm. I went for scans and there really was nothing. And, um, you know, then like for me personally, it started then with kind of panic attacks. Like after that, then I did kind of that was a real wake up call to be like actually in the the toilet and work and experiencing a panic attack and um, so so that's how it happened to me but kind of all those signs and symptoms were there but I really was kind of burying my head in the sand and um, trying to push through and also a bit more fixated on my physical health yeah. thinking that there was a physical cause to that when actually you know it was stress mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and I say there it's just that that slow build up and you just, you know, put it to one side, like, oh, I'm sure it's nothing, you know, like you say, head in the sand and then start feeling some of the physical symptoms and then just progressing from the, the tension headaches straight up to full on panic attacks as well. Yeah. So at what point then were at that point, then you were just like, right, I need to do something about this as well. Yeah, it kind of whether the stars were aligned at the time, John, I don't know, but it kind of all built up to the the kind of like a career break so the mm -hmm. career break was planned with my friends and it wasn't as a result of the burnout but actually it came at the perfect time yeah and it really was that kind of career break where I got to step back and I was away from my responsibilities and my roles and routines that I could see for myself that this is you know stress but had that not have happened, I suppose, you know, I would have been likely to maybe have more panic attacks. And at some point I would have had to tell somebody. But what was really interesting was like I was so ashamed, you know, I was so ashamed. I was I was so embarrassed. And even though I worked in mental health with so many supportive and understanding and caring colleagues, mm -hmm. I just I, you know, I was my own worst enemy. I, I didn't feel like, you know, I was just so embarrassed that I didn't have a handle on things that I didn't tell anybody, you know. So it really was until I had that break from work that I could see, oh, okay, this is this is what's going on here, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a, it's incredibly, you know, brave just to step away from it as well and take that career break. I know a lot of people would struggle a lot with that and be like, oh, well, you know, if I step away, am I, you know, going to hold myself back in my career longer term and that? Should I just endure through it and just climb the, the scale, like you say, and get to the retirement eventually down the line? Yeah. Whereas you, you know, you took the, the brave decision, like, right, I'm going to step away for six months, go travel, experience new cultures, break from the routine. And like you say there, that that distance from work and those routines gave you clarity and you could actually look back and look into it and be like, okay, I can see where the problems are now. And I think that's the huge thing of being able to create distance between yourself and um, the environment you're in. Yeah. Not like you did from a very much physical standpoint, but I think even just from a mental standpoint, because a lot of people just spend so much time in it and they can't see a whiff or see the bigger picture just because they're so, so tight in on it. Totally, totally. And I think that's one of the things with, you know, lockdown, John, that mm -hmm. because so many of us, even though like I know a lot of, um, you know, people from our own profession were still doing face to face, but there was a lot more homeworking. And I think that blurring of the lines where your sitting room then maybe becomes your office or your bedroom becomes your office. And 
I think, you know, with lockdown, we weren't able to actually even escape our own environments. Mm -hmm. So to get that perspective, to be able to zoom out and, and think like, am I stressed or, you know, what's going on here was nearly impossible in the last two years, yeah. you know, and I think we're still seeing some of the effects from that as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, like you say, it's just become that blurred environment of the lines between work um and your family home and stuff like that and it's just like okay i can't create this much distance obviously it's given some people opportunities to be a bit more flexible with their time yeah but some of the other stuff we're seeing now is just the the working days sort of lengthened because all oh, right okay i don't need to go anywhere i can pick that up at 7 8 p.m at night whereas yeah. office hours are office hours yes yeah Totally. And I think there's been, you know, even there's been a sense of guilt from some people like thinking like, I don't want anyone to think I'm skiving. And so people are working even harder because yeah. they're, they're again trying to prove, no, I am working, I promise, you know, and, and like you say, people have been answering emails, you know, when they've been sitting on the couch and maybe that was ordinarily their time to like de-stress a little bit and chill out. And, and now it's sometimes a laptop on on people's knees as well you know so yeah yeah, yeah absolutely well it's been interesting hearing about some of the, the science symptoms in your own story Emer, as well for not only physio students obviously this podcast is aimed primarily at physio students but like for students in general would you say for anyone in the healthcare professions of you know if they start to recognize these signs of some of these symptoms you know what are some of the strategies or you know um yeah some of the strategies they can put in place to start either you know tackling these at the early stages or if they're you know that further along point like right i really need to make a change what were some of the suggestions you could say from your own professional background yeah totally john like I think the big thing that comes up for me is our awareness and um, sometimes it can be difficult to have awareness about ourselves and our own perspective and our own bodies even mm -hmm. you know like society we you know we live in now we've got our, our mobile phones you know their smartphones we've got our laptops we've got ipads um, you know we're so engaged with modern technology now that um, and there's such an invitation, I think, to be distracted a lot of the time. Like if we're not on our devices, we're maybe watching Netflix on the telly to, to relax. So I think we need to find things that can help us to disconnect from some of this stuff at different parts of the day to just tune into like, how am I feeling within my body? You know, I think that's, and this might sound like quite strange actually to some people that are, are listening, but I think we're, we're actually really disconnected from ourselves a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so without that awareness, we're never going to really recognize the signs of burnout because we're not paying attention, you know? And so I'm always reluctant to say this word because I think people can zone out but I think mindfulness is nearly, you know, one of the number one strategies that help us with that, because the whole thing about mindfulness is that we're taking an opportunity to um, show up exactly as we are. So like if we are listening to a mindfulness meditation or we're watching a mindfulness meditation on, uh, on, on YouTube or whatever, the whole purpose 
purpose is to just sit in a chair. Maybe we want to do it lying down and just tune into the breath, recognizing the breath. And of course, the breath is such a good indicator for how stressed we are, because, you know, as, as all the physios will know out there, you know, we should be really breathing from from lower down. But we just breathe these shallow little small breaths you know we're not even using our lungs properly to breathe so in mindfulness we're just tuning into well how's my breath in this moment you know am I even breathing properly or have I been kind of holding my breath with tension kind of all day as I've been bashing out emails and and trying to meet deadlines and, and things like that you know so for me, mindfulness, you know, it focuses on the breath and that can give us a big cue to, to, to how we are. And then when we deepen our mindfulness practice a little bit, it starts to go into something called the body scan. Mm-hmm. And this is where we basically just focus our attention. You can work from your feet up through the body or maybe from the head down. And we're just paying attention to how are all the muscles in my body doing right now? Like how are the muscles in my neck and my shoulders and my back? What about my stomach again? Am I, am I bracing? Is my stomach kind of holding and tight um, or is it kind of soft and relaxed? And for me, I think this is one of the big parts of the puzzles for, for, for burnout. It's that increase in our self-awareness as to how am I feeling in this body right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, without something like that, unless you're very astute at doing that, and I know, like, John, you'll be aware of, like, kind of different martial arts and things like that that are probably very similar. And, like, you know, people who practice yoga and stuff, you know these are all uh things that we can do to really make that brain body connection you know but really kind of activities like that are going to help increase our awareness to first of all how am I because without knowing that it's very hard then to start recognizing the other signs of burnout that may Mm -hmm. become down you know further down the line definitely definitely um I suppose John I'm aware that like you were saying you know if, what would somebody do if you know they are a bit further down the line and and you know that they they maybe are at the point where they are recognizing they're burnt out and they are feeling very stressed and they're pretty worried you know and I, I suppose I can talk from this as, as someone who didn't do these things you know and I have huge regret I, re- I wasted so much time being in that place of feeling miserable rather than just reaching out for help, you know? And I think if I'd just been able to reach out and just tell somebody that I trusted, you know, like just start the conversation that way, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it doesn't have to be, the first person doesn't have to be a professional. Um, although sometimes people prefer it, you know, like some people uh, get comfort speaking to a friend or a loved one and telling them how they feel and other people find it helpful just to totally remove from that kind of personal experience and go to, to someone who's maybe a professional to, to just speak about their symptoms and, and get a bit of support, you know, and I suppose the GP is often the first port call for that from a professional point of view. Definitely. I mean, that's some, some great advice there, Ema, around some of the tips people can do there as well. And I think, yeah, first of all, like you say there, just talking to someone, either it's a family, a friend, member or that, 
removing that personal element and chatting to someone in a professional context as well and just removing some of that stigma of being like, oh, well, what are they going to think of me if I come in and start talking about this? Um, and then the other point of just like, just being in touch and having that presence of mind as well with mindfulness. And I'll hold my hand up wholeheartedly here and say I was one of those Neanderthals back in the day. It was like, oh, mindfulness was <laughs> this sort of thing. But through martial arts and stuff, I've seen more of it. And then, you know, as I've chatted to you about my own personal podcasts of like the military side of things, you know, you chat to guys who have served in special forces and by modern day standards, these are very tough individuals sort of thing, but you chat to a lot of them like, oh yeah, yeah, we would use mindfulness on the way out for missions and that, you know, just getting your breath, getting present in the moment and getting everything calmed down and being aware of your surroundings. So things like, okay, wow. So these guys are, can, can do it. And these guys are quote unquote, the, the tough guys out there in society, you know, why can't more people implement this into their practice? Yeah, it's amazing how the the power of it, and it really isn't going anywhere. I think a lot of us thought, oh, mindfulness, it would be a bit of a flash in the pan, like other stuff that's maybe gone before. But actually, you know, we are so, we're, we're often living in our heads so much, you know, just uh, on automatic pilot, you know, just trying to get done what we need to get done that, you know, we become so disconnected from ourselves. So, you know, mindfulness really is such a powerful tool, like you say, to just be a bit more present, like what's actually going on right here, right now, rather than your mind thinking of like tomorrow or later on, and it hasn't even happened yet, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And just like we say, staying in that presence there as well is a huge, huge thing for a lot of people. And a lot of people tend to catastrophize what could be potentially down the road that may never ever happen so that's the yeah. thing for them but yeah. i was going to say Emer, i'm you know i i'm under no illusion i'm i'm in a very privileged position that if i want i can pick up the phone to you and have a great conversation with you on the phone about this sort of stuff as well so anyone listening here who you know might have an interest in this area who may want to get in touch and find out a bit more you know how can they do that and what does that process look like if they come and you know come on board with you Emer? Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for that, John. Like the first thing that I often do if people do reach out so they can find me at Emer Cooney Coaching on either Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and then my e email address is emercooneycoaching at gmail.com. So um, I know that'll probably be in the show notes, um, John, yeah, because I'll I know everyone sure. will be thinking, <laughs> everyone will be thinking, how the hell do you spell Emer? <laughs> but um, yeah, like if like people are well Welcome to contact me through any of those um, sources and like my, like you said at the start of my bio like my approach is very informal so I'll always say to people like do you want to have a call first like just an informal chat and um, you know to just see what's really going on for you you know and um, might do a zoom call or just have a call um, on the phone and like that's just so important to see like what's going on for the person am I the right person for them you know like I think it's so important that when we decide to work with somebody especially privately you want to make sure you get on and you know you might have some questions about their qualifications or their training or their experience and so for me it's really important to let's just have a chat like and there's there's no pressure you know let's just have a conversation what's going on for you and and share that and then you know do I feel that I could help and, and offer the 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 skills and um, and the tools to help the person manage the thing 
Um, Because for me, that's what it's all about. It's kind of like empowerment. Like, I don't want people coming to me forever and a day and then becoming reliant on, you know, you know, for any of us to be reliant on, you know, a therapist or, you know, I I definitely want to give people the, the skills to help manage it for themselves, you know. So, um, yeah, so once we have a chat and then if if the person's up for working with me, there's a few different avenues that I offer. Like I run a weekly mindfulness group. So for anyone who just kind of wants to dip their toe into the whole thing, you know, they can come to that. It's all on Zoom. So often people come, they don't have their camera on, you know, they're maybe just kind of doing it, chilling in their room and they don't have to engage. Others are, are very open to, to having a chat and stuff in it. And then I also work with people on a one-to-one basis. So that's more kind of Zoom sessions where we'll look at the issue that the person has and uh, create a bit of a plan about some of the, the strategies and the tools that help them get back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I just started recently working with students and around their mental health as a, a student mentor. So a uh, very similar process, just... Um, yeah, recognizing what are some of the barriers that people are experiencing to their studies or their academic life, and then just giving them the tools and techniques to manage that. So um, that's really how I work, but always from a very kind of, uh, yeah, relaxed, informal kind of place. You know, I'm aware that when people come to me, they're generally quite stressed. They're quite overwhelmed. You know, sometimes people are quite emotional and quite tearful. And so the big thing for me is that people feel comfortable, you know, being around me and, and being able to share, you know, what they have to say with me. So definitely working from that kind of place is, is kind of the most important thing for me anyway, personally, you know. That's, that's great. I mean, thank you for that, Emer. It's great to get an oversight of you, your work that you're doing, how people can access into that as well. You know, I've got to say once again, Emer. Thank you so much for your time. I, I knew this was going to be a great conversation. I knew you were going to come with some great in-depth knowledge. And I mean, thank you once again as well for sharing your own story as well and just your own you know, path through that, your thoughts, your feelings through that as well. It's been really insightful and really interesting to chat. Oh, it's a pleasure, John. And thanks so much for having me on. And yeah, I, I just podcasts like these are so important because I think it's just opening the conversation, isn't mm-hmm. it, to just normalize uh you know feelings of burnout and stress and anxiety because I think you know we could like more often than not I think a lot of us are feeling it and we live in a society now where where we have something to prove and something to show and actually Mm -hmm. you know accessing this vulnerability I think is empowering in itself you know so Mm -hmm. thank you so much for this opportunity I really enjoyed it lovely always a pleasure same to you, John. Thank you. Thank you.